Blog Talk Radio. Here's Galchenyuk, dancing in, scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in there, shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up with a drop, look at he's in the wall, waiting, scores! Well, let me see ladies and gentlemen, Akiyama, no, get up, yes! Oh, my stars, what a stop by Kelly Price, Robin, Sidney Crosby! This is the Habs 360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right, hi everybody, welcome to episode 190 of the Habs 360 Podcast for this Saturday, December 17th, 2016. My name is Chris G, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. A busy week for the Montreal Canadiens. Once again, it sounds like I'm repeating myself, but it's always the case. Week after week, there's something always going on uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, whether they're winning or they're losing games. Last started last Saturday, the Canadians beat the Colorado Avalanche by a score of 10 to 1. It was hard to believe that the Canadians managed to score 10 goals in the game, but that game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, well, forgotten where the Canadians lost 10-0. They just evened it out with that 10-1 win. Then on Monday at the Bell Center, the Boston Bruins were in town and the Canadians lost by a score of 2-1 in overtime. And then on Friday, a rare Friday night home game for the Montreal Canadiens. They lost by a score of 4-2 against the San Jose Sharks. And just to tell you, for the Montreal Canadiens, it is the first ever home game loss on Friday, on a Friday night in Montreal Canadiens history. So that's, uh, that's pretty uh, unique, pretty rare that Canadiens do that, uh, play on a Friday night at the Bell Center. And while Fridays haven't been good for the Canadiens this season, they have an 0-4 record on Fridays, and they've been outscored to 5 in uh, those games. And that includes the 10-0 loss against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So what does this mean for the Canadians when it comes to the standings? The Canadians, for the first time, are not first place in the league. In the conference, they're fourth place with 42 points, 19 wins, 7 losses, and 4 uh, extra time losses. In front of them are the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have also 42 points, but they have two games in hand. The Rangers with 43 points, but they've played two more games, the Canadians. And then at 31 games played at first place are the Pittsburgh Penguins. So still pretty good for the Montreal Canadiens. And I think it's a good time to start looking at our pals over at sportsclubstats.com and see what they think of the Canadians' chances of making it to the playoffs. And, well, not a surprise. The Canadians have a 99.3% chance of making it. So that's pretty certain. The only, reason, the only way that they will make it is if they, if they go through a his, uh, historic collapse. This is the last year, so I doubt it's going to happen for a second year in a row. They also have a 12.6% chance of winning the Cup and a 12.6% chance of winning the President's Trophy. But obviously, what we're interested in here in Habs Nation is the Stanley Cup. Who cares about the President's Trophy? If you get that on the way, that's fine. Our question of the day. Last night's game was pretty interesting. Carrie Price got pulled after allowing four goals. And well... There was a stare down. 
between Carey Price and what appeared to be Michel Terrier. So our question is, does the Carey Price teardown towards Michel Terrier when he was pulled in last night's game against the San Jose Sharks mean anything? There's many ways you can let us know. You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360. You can also go to the All Habs Facebook page and leave us your comments there. We'll be looking at them in later in today's episode. And later in today's episode, we're going to be opening up the phone lines as well to get your comments. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on Habs 360. All right, this is the Habs 360 most listened to segment, the most popular segment that you'll find in all of the podcast worlds is our winners and our losers. So every week, we choose a winner that is much off means related and a loser that's much off means related. And well, we tell you why that we made those choices. So let's start off with my winner of the week, Brian Flynn. He scored three goals this week. Let's take a listen. This is Flynn turning and firing it towards the front of the net. Knocked down. Here's Sven Dagregetto back in the net. Puck rolls on. Flynn to win. Flynn peels in over the blue line. Drops the shoulder. Sends it Well, Canets will get it out. Dropped it off for Zach Redmond. Redmond in front to the net. Scores! Brian Flynn! All right, so there we heard that Brian Flynn, his, it was his first three goals of the season. And with three goals, that gives him, uh, just a side note, as many goals as David Yarnet has this season. And well, in a lot less games for, uh, for Brian Flynn. And well, he has one more goal than Thomas Plekanec, and he was able to do that in uh, in one week. Brian Flynn had gone a game, a span of, it was about 40 games since he scored, and well, he scored three goals in uh, in under a week. And it was quite impressive for Brian Flynn is the quality of the players that he played with. Brian Flynn is a fourth liner. He assumed his role. Everybody knows a fourth liner. He was, he was playing with Sven Andrigetto, and uh, Daniel Carr for most of the week. And he also did play with uh, Michael McCarron, at least to start off uh, last night's uh, game. And he did have another good game last night against the Sharks. And we even saw him towards the end of the game when the Canadians needed some goals. Brian Flynn was getting the confidence of uh, Michel Terrier. And Brian Flynn is good at the face-off circle as well. So far this season, he has a, uh, a success rate of 57 0.4%, which is awesome. Anything over 50% is good at the face-off circle. Joining me now, editor-in-chief and owner of the Ohio Network of Sites, Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Brian Flynn, my winner of the week. What are, what are your thoughts? I think it's a good choice. Uh, I mean, uh, I think... I think that uh, we had Brian Flynn in uh, the loser of the week somewhere along the way uh, this season. And, and, you know, fairly um, uh, because he really hasn't had a good season up till now. Um, You know, we, some people see Tori Mitchell and Brian Flynn as, as kind of interchangeable pieces. And Tori Mitchell has clearly had the, uh, the better season so far. Um, you know, people were wondering about Brian Flynn. Should should one of the young guns come in and replace him? Um, but to his credit, uh, in the last three games, you mentioned the uh, you know he he got on the scoring um, a binge the the short little binge that he's had uh, in the game against Colorado, where everybody seemed to be scoring. Uh, but to his credit, he kept that up. He has three goals um, uh, by the end of the week, and uh, he's looked he's looked great. He's looked more confident. He's, as you said, he's uh, he's always good in the faceoff circle. But you know, th- uh, he's maintained that. And and uh, and as as Tarion has been looking for different combinations, he's had uh, some different line mates. Now, again, uh, I think he's been the beneficiary of some 
youthful exuberance. Uh, Daniel Carr has played really well. Um, Mike McCarron, I thought, was good last night. Um, so, uh, and and Brian Flynn has seemed to feed off that. So uh, I'm I'm fully in agreement with your uh, selection this week. All right. So congratulations to uh, Brian Flynn and Rick. One, tell us who your winner is this week. I I. I chose Alexei Emelin and, and um, you know, we, we've talked about him on and off. And I think that there was so many that were ready to uh, get rid of him in the off season, uh, put him on the, the bottom pairing, maybe even make him the seventh or eighth defenseman um, with, with nobody to, to place be, besides uh, Shea Weber. Um, Nathan Beaulieu was, was tried at the beginning. That didn't really work out. Uh, Emelin has has stepped in there and has has looked solid all season, um, and you know I I think I think um, even his his harshest critics would say, oh, well yes he's played well but um, you know he's he's uh, being protected by by Shea Weber he's looking good only because of of Shea Weber kind of a uh, Ryan O'Byrne with Andre Markov kind of thing. Um, but we've seen the last week, uh, Shea Weber, him, or maybe even uh, more than that, uh, Shea Weber has dropped off a bit. But Alexei Emelin's, he's he's been solid. Um, and if anything, he's ramped up his physical game. Big hit on Joe Colburn in the uh, Colorado game. He took care of business in the in the the Bruins game, which was a very physical game, uh, and even took out um, our you know everyone's favorite pest, Brad Marchand. Um, I I think he's been absolutely superb, and and um, I would say um, you know Andre Markov's having a, a a pretty solid season too. I think the two of them, you could argue, you know which one has been perhaps the most consistent right through the season. And, and I, I think um, Alexei Emelin's going to get some votes there. Well, I agree that uh, this is probably the, uh, the most confidence that we've seen Alexei Emelin play uh, with big hits, uh, especially throughout the, uh, the entire uh, week. And like you mentioned, Weber seems like he's, he's dropped off. And that's a dangerous defensive pairing. If you're a winger and right now and you see in front of you, Emlyn or Shea Weber, you know, it's gonna, it's a tough decision to make. Like, what side of the ice would uh, would you go? I don't know, Rick. What side would you go if you had the puck and it was either between Emlyn or Weber? I think I would go with, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe even Weber's side right now. Yeah, go down the middle and hope they take both each other out. I don't know. Uh, it's it's <laughs> as, as you say, it's tough. It's a tough decision to make. And, and that's the kind of you know, that's something that the Canadians haven't had for years is, is um, forwards being afraid to cross the blue line, uh, opposition forwards being afraid to cross the blue line. Uh, or even if they're not afraid, that thought is in the back of their mind. And if you get them to hesitate, if you get them to turn when otherwise they, they try and go around, or if you get them to pass the puck off, that, that's, that means that Weber and Emelin are doing their jobs. And in, you mentioned in the game against the Colorado Avalanche, it was a big hit on the Colborne. It, it was a clean, it was a legal hit. The score was uh, was 10 to 1 when that hit happened. And as soon as it happened, Jerome McGinley went after him, but then the linesman was there and Carey Price was there to uh, to stop him. And while there was a lot of criticism on Alex Emlin for making that type of hit at a score of 10 to 1, Let's hear what the coach had to say about it right after the game. Well, I think, yeah, like, Emmy, he's, he's got one way to play the game. Well, he's playing hard. So uh, I don't think uh, I, I need to sit down with him, honestly. So, Rick, is this going to be a first time that you're going to agree with the coach on the, his comments? There, there might have been uh, another time or so, uh, but but uh, but in this instance, I, I do I I absolutely agree. And he was responding to 
uh, Eric Ingalls question saying, uh, well, are you going to sit him down and explain to him how he shouldn't be? Do-? And, and Darren said, no, of course not. It's a silly question. The next day, um, Eric Ingalls had a poll out and his question was dumb. He said, was that a smart thing to do or was that a dumb thing to do? Well, it's, it's a dumb question. Alexei Emelin isn't deciding. He isn't chasing hits. He isn't deciding, oh, do I really want to tune this guy up right now? Alexei Emelin is playing hockey. That's, that's how he plays hockey. Um, and he plays, as, as Tarion said, one way, and he plays it through 60 minutes. Now, we've, we've been really critical of a lot of players who take a period off or they're inconsistent or why shouldn't we be praising this player. And I mean, it's, it's not as if he, you know, he hurt a much smaller, hurt anyone or he hit a much smaller player. Joe Colburn's like six, five, a big guy. And uh, you know, if, if the game was over, if, if these kinds of, uh, you know, collisions or, or, or interactions aren't supposed to happen, then, then why did, why did Colburn not, dump it in or curl up or why did he go hard to the boards? So, you know, what was the natural response for Emlyn? He did what he's supposed to do and took him out. He, you know, he, he's uh, responsible. He doesn't want to see Carey Price get scored on, even if it's 10 to one, he doesn't want to see another goal uh, scored on Carey Price. So he was doing his job. Um, I think the people that tried to make more of it, we just don't understand the, the mindset, uh, a, play, a player like Emelin is just playing hockey. It's not, he's not, there, there's nothing more behind it than that. Uh, this, this is going to be a bizarre episode of Hot 360 because I'm going to disagree with the coach uh, on this one. <laughs> and, and well, I'm going to disagree with you, but, so that, but that's normal part of it. Yeah, that's true. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of... Um, of a fight starting after a clean hit. And like I said, uh, the, the M1 hit was clean. I don't think there was ever any debate uh, whether it was or not. But I, I do, I think, I think again, I did the right thing going after uh, Emlyn at that time. Because I think it was a useless hit when the score is 10 to 1. When you say, like, what are you supposed to do? Hit him with the shoulders. Okay, don't need to go down and try to put on the show and, and flip the player over. I think that part was uh, was useless, and I think what makes it what, what makes it worse, and maybe it's a reputation that Emlyn is getting around the league, is if you're gonna do a hit like that, if somebody, whether it be a Ginla or another player, comes after you, like, are you always gonna run away? Like, eventually, don't you have to like drop the gloves and answer to your actions? And Emlyn, well, he he can't because of the plate that he has, so. If you can't uh, defend yourself, kind of thing. If you can't uh, fight or you know face up to your actions, I think uh, the kind of hit is uh, is useless. So I, I, I'm a fan for Evelyn for this week. He played a good week, but that one particular hit to me was uh, was useless, and uh, but, that's my opinion. But but wait, and not not to take this too far, but you just said something contradictory. You said that players shouldn't have to fight after a clean hit. And you're right. I agree totally. So then, and you also said that this was a clean hit, which it was. So why should Emlyn have to back up anything? Why should he be forced to fight when he, you know, medically he shouldn't be because of the plate? Um, why, why should he, and, and why do we call it running away? He was, you know, he he stepped up, clean hit. There should be that should be it. There, I, I don't I don't I understand why Jerome McGinley he was you know uh, standing up for his teammates and 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 fine. I have no problem with that. But did you hear Jerome McGinley interviewed and asked about the hit? McGinley had no problem with the hit at all a- at the time that it was delivered. He said, "No, you play sixty minutes. This is." This is hockey, but my job is also to stand up for my teammates. So I, I didn't see, and I have no problem with Carey Price stepping in between 
to protect Emlyn because of the plate. I, I think everything that happened there, Colburn going hard, um, Emlyn hitting, Aginla going after, Carey Price, I like it all. I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I just I guess we'll close the loop on, on this one. The difference that I find uh, on this particular hit is that, you know, he went down. Like, if it would have been like, just a shoulder, a shoulder check, I think it would, uh, I think it would be fine. But now it's, it looks like he was trying to put on the show for, uh, for, for the fans. And at 10-1, it's that part of it that I found, uh, that I found useless. So, uh, Rick, let's go move on to our losers. Uh, in a, speaking of Alexi Emlin, there was a big uh, hit against Brad Marchand, like you mentioned. And, well, that uh, gave you an idea for losers of the week. Another clean hit. And there were several of them in that game. One on uh, Pasternak, I think. Um, a really hard hit. And and then the the uh, Marshawn hit, which uh, Marshawn kind of helicoptered off of off of the hit. Um, and uh, you know, again, there was nothing wrong with anything that happened there, except that afterwards, Brad Marshawn was whining about it. He was whining about the hit on him, and he was also whining about uh, the hit on Colburn, actually, because he was comparing that hit to the one that, that he was suspended for, um, or he got a five-game suspension uh, for hitting um, Sammy Sallow, um, which was, that was an awful hit. And I don't, they're not, even, they're not even in the same universe as far as comparing them. Uh, that was a dirty, dirty hit, and he deserved every bit of the the uh, suspension. Um, but Brad Marchand whined about it on Twitter. He put out a tweet um, that uh, NBC Sports uh, screen capped and, and, and was spreading around. Then quickly Marchand had second, second thoughts, and he deleted it, which is Weasley in and itself. But... Uh, yeah, for just being a you know a, a whiner and a general pain in the ass, I'm going to nominate Marshawn as my loser of the week. Yeah, not much to add. I agree with your decision, and even for that uh, for that tweet, I just uh, he used a tweet that was sent out by Anthony from ArthurCanvas.com, who's a friend of uh, the Habs 360 podcast. But like you mentioned, it was uh, quickly uh, deleted by um, by Marshawn. He tweeted it to NHL and to NHL player safety. My loser of the week, well, it's, uh, it sucks that he got injured during the game against the San Jose Sharks, but uh, my selection is Van Andrigetto. I've found that he's, um, he's a player where he's, he's getting another chance in Mont- with the Canadians, and he hasn't showed, I, don't, I haven't seen much from Van Andrigetto. It looks like the Canadians are giving him chances. Okay, he's playing on the fourth line, but... Uh, I really haven't seen much from him. Nothing that's impressive. In the NHL, he's a, he's a point-a-game player. But then when he comes up to the NHL, I just don't see any potential from him. And we saw even at the beginning of the season, he went through waivers. He, he wasn't picked up. So far this season, he has uh, in eight games, he has two points. And that's, that's it for me. I haven't been impressed from Esven Andrigetto with uh, the Habs. What about you, Rick? Um, I, I, it's, it's simply that, yes, you're right. He's, he's a uh, point per game in, in the AHL. Um, but he's being put in the situations he's, he's being put in offensive situations. He's an offensive player stuck on the fourth line. He's not going to be able to sh- show you anything. I mean, it, you, you take a, a surgical doctor and put him on the, the trapeze in the circus, and what's he going to show you? you? You put player, you put people out of their 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 comfort zone and out of you know what they're they're used to. Uh, Mike McCarron on the wing when he's a center. It, it's this this coach doesn't uh, exploit the the assets of his players. Um, he doesn't put them in a situation to succeed and. And Andrew Ghetto is is one of those players. You know, the Canadians are absolutely one of the worst teams at transitioning players from from the AHL to uh, the NHL. And this is just yet another example. 
Um, I was, I was in, um, following the, the ice caps this week in Binghamton on Wednesday, last night in Utica, just got here just in time for the show today. Uh, what a mess it, it was in Utica this morning. Um, and there was a, a scout, uh, sitting next to me and uh, two, uh, two scouts and they were talking between them and with, with me and, and one of the scouts said that the player who uh, cleared waivers, who surprised him most that cleared waivers this, this season, was San Andergetto. Um, so there, there are some team, there are some scouts out there that recognize his talent. Um, I, I just think he, I don't, I don't know what his ceiling is necessarily. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that he's a, you know, necessarily a, a top line player, but. Um, I also know he's not a fourth line player and that's where he has been mostly deployed and, and that's affected uh, his performance. Okay. So Zvena Dugato is my, uh, my loser of the week on the fourth line this week. Brian Flynn did manage to score three goals uh, in, in a couple of games. All right. We're going to take a, our first break here on half three sixty. on the other side. There was another particular hit. Uh, Krug on um, on Shaw. We're going to talk about that. And I want to, want to remind you our question of the day. Does the uh, Carey Price teardown towards Michel Terrier from the game against the Sharks when he was pulled, does it mean anything? Let us know via Twitter at Habs360. And you can also go to uh, the All Habs Facebook page. Stay with us. This is the Habs360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Icecaps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs360 podcast and Anthony from R2Canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of R2Canvas.com. Listen to the Habs360 podcast and follow Habs360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back. Episode 190 of the Happy 360 podcast for this Saturday, December 17, 2016. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980, along with uh, Rick Stevens, editor-in-chief from uh, allhabs.net. And, well, that game against, between the Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens did seem like it was a gangster's paradise. A lot of hitting, a lot of physical action between uh, both teams. And there was a hit uh, that uh, Tory Krug made on uh, Andrew Shaw, the Montreal Canadiens, which Shaw left the game immediately. He came back after he followed the protocol, but then uh, he was, it was, the Canadiens announced that he did suffer concussion-like symptom, symptoms. 
And while he's out, you'll not be playing against the Washington Capitals uh, tonight. When I looked at that hit, to me, it seemed like it was uh, it was like the head was hit from Tory Krug. And while the league determined, the officials determined that, you know, it wasn't. And to that, I just say, you know what, it's probably too complicated of a rule that the NHL made. It's hard to understand what they consider a headshot and, and what isn't. And uh, don't get me wrong, I don't think the NHL should have thrown the book, like they say, or the Tory Krug and suspend them for the rest of the season or anything. Maybe just give them a, a one game. If they want uh, headshots to leave the game, that's how you'll do it. By suspending players, even if it's one game, it's, uh, it's, it's something. It's better than uh, what uh, Tory Krug got. Let's hear what uh, the coach and Shaw had to say following uh, the game on uh, the hit. I didn't like the hit. You know what? For sure. I didn't like the hit. I thought uh, Shaw was in a vulnerable position, and he got hit to the head. So for sure, I don't like the hit. No, I mean I extended, reaching for a puck, and you know, in a vulnerable position, and uh, you know, took the blow, uh, you know, directly off the head. All right, so uh, Andrew Shaw didn't like the hit. Tory Krug didn't like uh, the hit. Uh, Jack Edwards on the Boston Bruins broadcast, he was pretty happy. He he was excited by the hit that was done on Andrew Shaw. Uh, Rick, what were your thoughts on the hit? That that was um, that was the uh, Boston broadcaster phoning in to uh, comment and cheer on the hit. Um, <laughs> Jack Edwards, yeah. Um, th- th- no, the hit the hit wasn't. I mean, the the it seems like there's there's um, uh, a lot of different different interpretations of these kinds of plays. But if we're to understand that it's a player in a vulnerable position, we've heard, you know, those player safety videos that we've seen, we've heard that language used uh, hitting a defenseless player or a player who's in a vulnerable position. And, and Shaw was, he was in a vulnerable position. Um, And there was, there was no question that it was a hit to the head. It was the principal point of contact was the head. So, those are the kinds of, of, you know, descriptions we've heard before in those videos. Uh, Krug could have easily been been uh, suspended. The, I, you know, the um, aside from the Marshawn suspension, I think the league has has tended to go lightly on the on the, the Bruins over the years. Um, but I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But I, I think what we're going to have to get to is the same thing as stick fouls where you have to be in control of your stick. If you, if you were swinging at the puck or if you were, you know, your, your, your stick came back and, and behind you and clipped someone, there, there's no, there's no discussion. It's, um, you know, the, the, the infraction is called. Um, I think if, if the league is going to be serious about concussions then they're going to have to get to that point with shots to the head. Uh, and we've seen it in the lower leagues where any, any, um, any shot, any hit to the head is, um, is, is penalized. Um, whether it was, you know, however it came about. Um, I, I, the other part of it was that, um, and I, I know with, with concussion, um, sometimes the, the symptoms are, are delayed. Uh, but in that news conference, uh, the, 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 the news uh, clip that where press conference where uh, Shaw was asked if he had a headache and he was just joking around. He said, Oh, you have to have a brain to, to, to get a headache. Um, and then all of a sudden he was out last night. Um, that was, that was a bit odd and a bit scary. And, and that, that, um, you know, we we have to take these things a little bit more seriously than I think uh, the league has been uh, taking them, and that that comes from leadership. That comes from that comes right from uh, Gary Bettman. And unfortunately, I think the fact that uh, Andrew Shaw did come back to finish the game 
I think that didn't uh, that didn't help the league. Well, sorry, that helped the league not to make a suspension. They do they do look at whether or not the players did get injured, but for things like uh, like headshots, I don't think it needs to be taken into consideration. If they want it out of the game, it's a headshot. It could set a legal suspension. Whether or not uh, whether it be Andrew Shaw or any player came out, I'll put in brackets or in air quotes, lucky coming out of it with uh, with no injury or a, uh, a minor injury. Uh, a couple of shifts later, his teammate, Brendan Gallagher, went and, uh, I guess, settled the score with the crew. Let's listen. I think everyone saw the hit before. Um, you know, regardless of what you think of it, when you see your teammates, um, you know, get up the way the shots he did, uh, obviously he had, he had blood coming from his face. So there's, there was some contact there. I don't... I'm not going to comment too much on the hit, but, um, you know, Shazi's a guy that would have done that for every single guy in this room. So it's, you know, I wasn't the only one willing to do that. It was just my turn. Uh, you know, one of those things that, that teammates do for each other. And while I might sound inconsistent with what I said earlier about uh, the Jerome McGinn, Alexi Emelin, the Coburn hit, but I'm happy that somebody uh, did go up to Krug to settle the score. Uh, the only difference that I find in between both is that the Emlyn hit, I think everybody was in agreement that it's a clean hit, where the hit against uh, Shaw, I think it wasn't. The league seems to think that it was a, a clean hit. But, Rick, uh, regardless, I think Brendan Gallagher did show some uh, leadership by, uh, by selling the score with Krug a couple of shifts later. I like what he said there. It was just my turn, uh, which is, I, I mean, it helped that, that uh, Krug was, uh, you know, Tori Krug's the same size as, as Brandon Gallagher. So that kind of worked out for, for Gallagher. Um, but I think he, um, he liked it. He, he said a little later in that clip that he wished it had gone on a bit longer. Um, so I, I, I think he liked it. And, you know, I was I was hoping that uh, this is a bit off topic, but uh, Brendan Gallagher's not had a good season, and I was hoping that that uh, that fight, that physicalness would, and that leadership that he showed, as you said, uh, would kind of spark him, and and we we'd see a bit more production out of him. That hasn't happened, or or maybe it's maybe it will happen, but um, no, I, I don't have a problem with uh, Gallagher getting in and and sending a message at all. All right, if you take a look now, changing topics and going to the Montreal Canadiens power play in a game against the Boston Bruins, uh, the Canadiens went 0-4-5 on a power play. On a 2-1 game where the game was settled in overtime, Canadiens with just that one goal on the power play could have won in the game. And we know last season uh, when the Canadiens struggled on the power play, it cost them a lot of points in, um, in the standings. They went 0 for 3 last night against the the Avalanche as well, so they've been 0 for 8. We saw a couple of adjustments heading into the game against the uh, the Sharks. On the first wave on the power play, Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber were paired together. Let's listen to the coach. This is prior to the game against the Sharks on the power play changes. Well, people are aware that he's got the best shot in the NHL, and um, for sure they got to concentrate on not that that guy is shooting the puck. And we try, we get, like this is where we practice again today. We try some adjustment and positioning from players, so uh, uh, we hope we're going to have a better red, rhythm, better pace uh, with our power play. I thought, you know, we, we, our five-on-five game, I like the pace. Uh, but lately, our power play, we dropped our pace. And this is something that uh, uh, it's important for us. To, even if we're on a power play, we need to make sure we had a good pace. And Rick, with, uh, if Shea Weber, his production went down with no Galchenia because he's on, uh, on injured reserve. With uh, <clears throat> no David Dagné on the power play either, <laughs> being sarcastic there. It's it's going to be tough for the Canadians. They they really do have to find a way to uh, make a power play work at least for the next whatever seven weeks that is remaining with Galchenyuk's absence. They they do, and I think um, you know Tarion is is um, I, I think they're not willing to acknowledge how much um, 
the the injury to uh, Alex Galchenik has hurt the offense and has hurt the power play. The Canadians are one for 17 since uh, Galchenik got hurt. Um, it was it was last year, I believe, when when Lars Eller of all people described the the ideal ingredients to a, a successful power play, and he was talking about the Capitals, ironically, um, and he talked about the back end having a um, you know a shot having a, a quarterback uh, down low, having a, a playmaker, a, a shooter, and somebody to go to the net. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not uh, giving it the eloquence it, it, it deserves, but I think removing, you know, the Canadians, they still have the, the, the shot on the back end in Weber. They still have the, the playmaker in Radulov, but they're missing, they're missing that trigger guy. They're missing the shooter. Uh, they're missing, um, that that person and there's no one that the talent that there is there's no one to take Galchenyuk's place um and that's that's allowed uh teams to to do you know to to certainly cover the shot and to cover uh the playmaker down low and and that's it they've they've smothered the the Canadians uh, a power play they're below 20 percent now um and have fallen to 12th in the league. And, and um, you know, the power play could be, could have been a way of, of equalizing uh, the offense given that, that Galchenyuk's out, but it's, it's, it's a big hole um, that he's left both in, in the five on five offense and the power play. Yeah. And uh, they were trying to, and they were trying to put Jeff Petrie there at the point, hoping that, uh, no, it gives them an extra weapon on uh, the power play. Right, we're going to take our final break. Still to come on the other side is our question of the day. You can call us right now at 1-877-455-4945. Our question is, is Carrie, does Carey Price's stare-down of Michel Therrien when he was pulled from the game against the San Jose Sharks mean anything? You can call us. You can let us know via Twitter at Tabs360, or you can uh, leave us your comments on the, the All Habs Facebook page. That and more is still to come. The Habs 360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. For the most trusted, for the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast. Visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Habs360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com rocket sports media is currently recruiting talented motivated and committed people to join our team if you're a student wishing to gain experience a young professional interested in broadening your credentials an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, 
Welcome back, episode 190 of the Hab360 podcast for this Saturday, December 17th, 2016. My name is Chris G at Chris1980, along with uh, Rick Stevens from uh, allhabs.net. And while the Montreal Canadiens last night facing the San Jose Sharks, uh, lack of a better word, they sucked for the first two periods. Until they brought it on in the third period, they scored two goals to at least close the gap with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and still ended up beating the Canadians by four by a score of four to two. Let's hear uh, Michel Terry after that game. Yeah, I didn't like the way that um, uh, we we start the game. Obviously, you know, first of all, uh, pick up three penalties. We're responsible for a stick, and I'm responsible too to prepare our team to make sure that we're ready to play. And uh, uh, I'm responsible for that. Well, Rick, uh, Michel Terry must be listening to the Habs 360 podcast because you bring you bring that up often. And well, it looks like he took ownership. So I'm surprised uh, Michel Terry wasn't your candidate for win of the week for making comments like that. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's I'm glad he's learning from us at least. Um, it is his job to to make sure that the team is ready, and and they didn't look ready at all last night. Um, even you know after the long layoff. Um, you know, that you'd think they'd work on the power play, the, you'd think the power play would look better, but something as simple as setting the tone. Um, you know, Canadians have the best home record. Come out with your best and, and uh, set the tone. And who were his starters last night? Mitchell, Gallagher, Byron against the Sharks. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? 13 seconds in, Mitchell gets a penalty. And, and okay, there was no um, – they, they didn't get, give up a goal there. But, but then the next penalty, shortly thereafter, it was Byron, um, uh, Hook Bodker. And uh, shortly after and, – and there was uh, – Schlemko got the, the opening goal on that, on the power play. The third penalty, who was it? Mitchell again. Uh, he high stick um, uh, Joe Thornton power play goal by Marlowe. So there he, Terrian is supposed to be, uh, you know, putting the players out to set the tone, putting his best out, uh, having them ready to play. And they weren't ready at all. And, and like I say, I, I never, I never understand why he, how he, especially at home when you want to dictate the matchups that, that um, you're, you're putting, you're putting your second or third best or, or whatever it was out there. In that game last night, uh, Carey Price was pulled after allowing four goals on 18 shots. And on his way back to the bench towards the dressing room, uh, usually the goalies, as they switch up, to give each other like a, you know, like a fist bump or something. Nothing for Carey Price. He was staring down to, uh, towards Michel Terry's direction and head back straight into the uh, dressing room. And after the game, Michel Terrier was asked on the reasons that uh, Carey Price was uh, was pulled. It is difficult because all the athletes are really proud. And um, there was a, a few reasons that we, we believe that uh, uh, we, uh, we need to pull out Carey. First of all, there's not one guy in the league likes to get pulled out, but I didn't like the way we played in front of him. Um, we gave up a goal early in the second period. We wanted for we want to send a message to our team. In the meantime, we want to give ourselves a chance to bring it back tomorrow. Well, the original plan was that uh, Carey Price will not play against the Washington Capitals, but they adjusted the plan following uh, the game last night. And there was a lot of talk about that stare down from Carey Price. Was it towards Terry? Was it towards his team, et cetera? And, well, a lot of people uh, made it sound like a big deal. And uh, there was a lot of comparisons of that stare down to uh, what happened with Patrick Wilde X amount of years ago. Personally, to me, it wasn't a big deal. Carey Price wasn't happy, probably not happy with himself, probably not happy with his teammates. And probably not even happy with the coaching staff for uh, for for pulling him out of that game. And uh, one thing that did 
catch my attention more was the fact that he didn't come back to the bench in the third period. So he wasn't with his teammates in the third period. Was he already out of the arena? Was he just in the dressing room sitting around? Did he hit the showers? Uh, who knows? But one thing for sure is he wasn't at uh, the bench. So to me, the whole stare down, did, did it mean anything? Uh, I think it, the only thing it meant was that Carey Price wasn't happy with his and his team's performance, but nothing more than that. I don't think we should overread it. I don't think we should make a big story out of it. And I think we're going to find out tonight when the Canadians face the Capitals what exactly it meant. And personally, I'm expecting a solid performance by Carey Price and Gold against the uh, Capitals. Rick, what were your thoughts? Um, I, th- I think it was, for me, it was clear that the stare was directed at the coaching staff. Um, when has ever, whenever has Carey Price tossed his teammates under the bus? At, at, you know, in, in remarks after the game, or when has he ever done something publicly to say, I'm, I'm, I know um, for a fact that he has sent messages, um, you know, in the dressing room and he said things and, but I, I cannot remember him ever doing anything publicly towards his teammates. And for those interpreting it as he was sending a message to his, his team, I, I just don't see it. Here's, here's the scenario. And, and, this is, this is, we know this has happened before. Uh, Tarion has spoken many times about he or he and Stefan Waite, uh, either he alone or the two of them, go to Kerry and say, on the, the rare occasions this has happened, okay, how do you feel? Do you want to come out? We'd like to take you out. What do you, what, what's your thoughts? And if Kerry says, no, I want to stay in, I want to, I want to fight back with my teammates. I want to be part of this with my teammates. Uh, they say, okay, they back up. Okay, fine. You're, that's fine. Um, so if that went down in the first intermission, if, if Tarion or Tarion and Waite went there and said, Kerry, what do you think? We'd like to take you out. We're thinking about, you know, t- putting in tomorrow uh, back, back to back. We'd let, and he says, no, I want to go. I want to be there. I want to be on the ice with my teammates. Uh, this is, I want to take, you know, this is, this is our fault collectively. We're going to fight through this. And then six minutes later, Tarion goes back on that. Price is like, well, why did you bother asking me in the first place? And he'd be pissed. And he'd send a look towards, towards Tarion or the coaching staff. That, to me... That's the most likely scenario in all of this. Um, I, it's it's momentary. It'll blow over. I don't think it's it's certainly nowhere near uh, Patrick Waugh, Mario Trombley, that whole thing. Um, but I don't think there's any question that 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 glance was was all about the coaching staff, and and the fact that he didn't come back. Um, it that doesn't bother me. I mean, if if you had to sit on the bench all, you know, having been in the game and everything, um, he's got to play tomorrow. So he wants to get ready for that for, or, you know, the, today's game. Uh, he wants to get ready for that. So what's the difference? Uh, Montoya is going to be in, um, go and, and, and do your post game uh, ritual and, and get cleaned up and, and forget this game and, and get focused on, on uh, the capitals. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. One eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five is the phone number if you want to reach us. Uh, so that was our question of today's episode. So let's see what uh, let's start off with Twitter and see what what uh, your followers and our listeners had to say. First tweet comes from uh, Jimmy Katlakawa. He writes, "I love it. Let under let a fire under all the guys up front. Call it coaches challenge Canadian style." Hashtag throw the flag, hashtag have. So thank you for the tweet, uh, Jimmy. And then we got a tweet as well from uh, Tim Alexander. Tim writes, I've said it for the past few years, this team will never win with Terry as a coach, and it's a fact. So thank you for the tweet, Tim. So that's pretty clear, Rick, that if we ever want to know what's going to happen with the Canadians, we should clearly contact Tim, and he'll, uh, he'll definitely let us know. Perfect. 
<laughs> so, Rick, what does it look like on uh, the All Habs Facebook page? On Facebook, we have uh, t- tons of comments. And, and uh, just go to uh, Facebook slash All Habs, and, and you can join the conversation there as well. Um, Marco Borogelli says, um, in re- reference to Carey Price, he's the best goalie in the league, and sometimes the effort in front of him is horrible, which is quite true. Uh, Spence Macavera says, I can guarantee you that Tarion will be gone before Price is. Tick-tock, Michelle. Uh, Leslie Pine says, Tarion's system isn't working in front of Carey. I'm sure Price is getting frustrated with it. Trevor Annette says, uh, I think Price is a team guy, and the way they played in front of him was the same as Montoya faced against the Blue Jackets. He didn't want Al to go back in and have a bunch of goals scored on him. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Um, Mm -hmm. Ivan Coles says, uh, fire Tarion and let Muller take over. Uh, Jay Marasco is uh, positive. He says, good for him. Price is making a statement. He's the leader of that team. My prediction, they'll now go on a winning streak. So um, if that turns out to be true, you heard it first from Jay Marasco. (laughs) I'll just finish up there. Yeah, I'll, we'll finish up with that on a positive note. So thank you very much, everybody, for your tweets and your comments on the uh, All Habs Facebook page. This edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. All right, so as we mentioned uh, earlier in uh, today's episode, Rick was on the road following the uh, the ice caps for a couple of games uh, this week. So, Rick, the, the Canadians here have have had the injury bug lately. Galchenyuk, Darnay, Paterin, uh, Andrew Shaw, Sven Andrigato. But it seems to be that it's it's even affecting the ice caps as well. It is affecting the ice caps. Um, certainly all the call-ups, um, you know, are creating holes in, in the ice caps lineup. Last night they had to go with 7D. Uh, they've called up a couple of, of players from the Brampton Beast um, and players who, like Connor Crisp, um, who haven't been playing that much or are getting a, a bigger role to play. Um, Chris Terry was, was uh, called up after last night's game, given Sven uh, Andrigetto's um, injury in, in, um, in the game against the Sharks. Uh, Chris Terry is the, the, um, the Ice Caps' leading scorer. He's got 10 goals, 16 assists for 26 points in 20 games. Um, but that, that uh, is going to you know, cause, cause problems again. Um, ironically, it was Chris Terry that was involved on Wednesday uh, in Binghamton in a collision, a a really scary looking collision where uh, two players from the same team just turned and ran right into each other. And Chris Terry hit Charles Houdon hard, really hard. Um, Houdon was on the ice for uh, several minutes. There was blood coming from a cut on his nose. Um, He ended up coming back, um, uh, briefly at uh, in that game, uh, but then we were we were supposed to interview uh, Charles Houdon after the game, and they said he was unavailable. He was in treatment. Um, and last night we saw um, Houdon uh, with a boot, a walking boot, and a and a cat and a crutches. Um, and uh, Coach Sylvain Lefebvre told us that he will not play before Christmas. Um, and he uh, is going to Montreal where he'll meet with the doctors to be evaluated to see exactly what the situation there is. So that's bad news for the Canadians because Charles Houdon was was up for uh, a few games and certainly bad news for the Ice Caps. Uh, The other um, offensive dynamo that is is out right now is Nikita Shurback. He isn't even traveling with the team. He's back in St. John's. uh, skating on his own, but he's still trying to recover um, from the injury, and we'll see uh, how soon he gets back in the new year. 
Uh, the real bright spot uh, in all this bad news for the um, Ice Caps is the play of Charlie Lindgren in net. My goodness, he had 37 saves in a losing effort. He was spectacular, though, against Binghamton, and he was superb against the Utica Comets last night. Um, the Ice Caps won 3 nothing, earning um, Charlie Lindgren uh, his first professional shutout. So uh, congratulations to him, and he uh, he's just playing out of his mind right now. And a reminder for complete coverage on the St. John Ace Caps to visit ahl.report. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on Hams 360. And, well, Rick, like every week, there's there were some bad tweets out there, and it always seems to happen when the Canadians uh, lose games. Yeah, that's when the worst comes out, I think, in fans. Uh, from... Zed Patel 27 uh, after last night's game said, let's be honest. And you always worry when a tweet starts like that, because it's probably not honest. <laughs> Carey Price quit on the team last night. Didn't touch gloves with Montoya. Didn't sit on the bench and no media. That's just a dumb, that's a moronic tweet. And we talked ab- ab- about that earlier, but, but the touching gloves, I mean, uh, I can assure you Montoya doesn't that's that's a that's a show thing. He doesn't care whether Carey Price he knows what it feels like. He doesn't care whether Carey Price touches gloves with him or not. That is just <laughs> that's just a dumb tweet. Um Yeah. Go ahead. Just uh, like I said, I think it's just Price being disappointed with his performance and the team's performance overall. Not nothing more than that. The other one was uh, from Lamont Jeffries, and this was um, in a discussion about uh, Max Pacioretty. Uh, and Max Pacioretty um, uh, had to go to the uh, for repairs. He was getting some stitches, um, and so it was. You know, we were reporting that he was he was um, um, in the dressing room, and then that he uh, returned to the bench. And Lamont Jeffrey says, was he ever really here? This guy has no business in the NHL. He's inconsistent and he has no heart. Uh, this is just, again, it's stupid. It's really dumb. No heart, no courage. No, I mean, this is the guy whose nickname is Wolverine coming back from injuries. This is a guy who's respected enough by his peers, his teammates to be voted as captain. And, oh, by the way, he happens to score close to 40 goals a year. So uh, this is just – and according to Lamont, he doesn't belong in the NHL and he has no courage and heart. Yeah, how many players, like, in the last three seasons, he scored 39, 37, and 30 goals? How many players can do that? Like, not many. It's probably a handful that, uh, that could do that if not, uh, if not less. So – you know, there's some bad tweets, but it makes for a good podcast. So, you know, if you, have, if you have a bad tweet out there, send it over our way and we'll definitely give you your five seconds of fame. Or is it five seconds of shame? Regardless, you take it uh, the way that uh, you want. So with that, that will conclude uh, today's episode of the Habs 360 podcast. A programming note that the next two episodes, episode 191 and episode 192 over the holiday season, will be best of episodes. So there was so much good material that it couldn't fit into one episode, so we're going to spread it out over two weeks. So definitely, I think you will uh, enjoy it. So, Rick, happy holidays, and we're going to be back again for another live episode in the new year on Saturday, January 7th. So enjoy the holidays, Rick. Yeah, I just want to take the opportunity to say uh, to... um all of our, our followers, all of our friends out there uh, right around the globe, uh, those of us, those of you who follow allhabs.net, um, those of you that, that find us on ahl.report, that find us in, in um, the checklist on all of our sites uh, internationally, we just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, safe time with your families, and we really do appreciate um, everything that you, that you do for us, the, uh, the, the communication that you have with us is just tremendous. And, and we look forward to a really great new year and um, happy holidays. Yeah. So happy holidays to all our listeners as well, to everybody following us on uh, Twitter, but 
even though there will be no live episode over the, over the holidays, you can still keep following Habs360 and uh, All Habs on uh, allhabs.net or any of the social media sites to get the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens as the Canadiens will be playing uh, throughout the uh, holiday season. And we're going to be back again next Saturday. Uh, sorry, in a couple of Saturdays with a live episode on January 7th. We finished off this season with, a, with uh, this calendar year with a bang. We had two large dollar consecutive name drops, and we had Rick agree with Michel Terry. So who knows <laughs> what's going to happen in 2017. One way to find out is to come back and join us in a couple of weeks. Enjoy the best of episode. Happy holidays to you, your family, and your loved ones. My name is Chris G at Christian1980, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.